Welcome to Canada's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Schneider Electric, supporting Canadian businesses with innovative energy management and automation solutions. Schneider Electric, your digital partner for sustainability and efficiency. So, Dennis, welcome to Canada's podcast. Um, uh, it's really, really great to meet you. Um, as we usually do, why don't you sort of give everyone, you know, some kind of idea about your entrepreneurial journey to date, you know, how it started, where it started, where it is today, and where its future might be, if you like. Yeah, excellent. Well, very nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, so I, um, you know, I cut my teeth, if you will, growing up in in marketing agencies, and uh, originally was an automotive um, placement. Uh, in fact, way back at Ford Motor Company was kind of where I, I first started in the space, and then I um, worked for a company called Merits. And Merits is a two billion dollar performance improvement company that uh, you know has a client list seventy uh, percent of the world's Super Fifty. And so I've been really fortunate to have you know a pretty diverse role across a broad um, you know portfolio of brands. And there was a point to the entrepreneurial question where you realize that you know all of these agencies are based on you know a, a value exchange that's related to you know my labor translated into projects or ability to mark that up and and thus the agency world. And what I found. Um, there's sort of an aha moment where I describe you only get offered front row seats on journeys a few times in, in your life. And that's when I realized I wanted to pursue something more entrepreneurial, which broke the rules of you give an hour, get an hour's worth of compensation. And so that was important to me. You know, um, I went on and uh, through a head, headhunter was given an opportunity to start an automotive uh, company called Zen Motor Company. And it was an electric car company. And it was really a fascinating way to get public market experience, uh, grow a company, you know, sit on a leadership team and drive this fascinating, you know, value exchange, as they said, but that wasn't related to do this and get an hour's worth of labor. So uh, all that said, I kind of continued along and I was eventually started my own marketing agency and was servicing clients and was given an opportunity to do some consulting work with Mountain Valley. And early on, I started down this path with this company and um, was asked by the leadership team here, hey, would you come in and run this given my prior public markets experience and basically my self-proclaimed ability to take complex ideas off a whiteboard and get them into motion. And that's probably something we'll talk about today a little bit, but entrepreneurship is more than just dreaming and ways to make money, the ability to execute, build the right team and all of those things. Interesting. You know, but you had a nice job with Merit, who I know, by the way, you know, what, what, what kind of sparked you to, to step out of that comfort zone, you know, one of the top guys in the business, uh, you were earning good money. I'm, I'm pretty cer certain of that. Um, why step out of that and make things awkward for yourself? Why become an entrepreneur? I mean, yeah, that's an awesome question. And I think a little bit of it is in your, you know, if you feel held back, there's sort of this 
innate, um, there's a risk reward for sure inside all of us. And often entrepreneurs are defined by that ability to take the leap um, into something that is a little less known, a little less control on one hand, but in the other hand, you have all the control because you make the decisions and you, as I said earlier, you have these front row seats to influence it. Um, you know, you, you make me think of a funny story. When I, the day I had resigned from Merits, um, it was sort of a long dance. I was on the CEO's calendar. And of course, I headed up, uh, you know, a sector that was pretty important to the company. And we had got to um, a point where we had scheduled a golf game. And we were several weeks out and I tried to talk to the ZA and meeting got canceled. And, you know, long story short is I got to the point where we're both on the T block. And I said, you know, I feel terrible. He came racing in late. And I said, I feel awful that, you know, we're here. He's like, how have you been? I said, I'm doing great. I had tried many times before today, but I, I'm actually resigning from the company. And on that very first block, I hit this amazing tee drive. You know, I like to golf, but it was just, you know, you don't always hit straight. Just rub it in, okay? Yeah. <laughs> he sort of duck hooks one off into the fest. And it was just this irony of, um, you know, how we got to that point. But he said something really, really cool. Um, you know, he was, first of all, complimentary of the decision. And to your question, um, he, he said, you know, I know for sure you'll be running this company or a company of your own someday. And so, you know, that that's, I was very flattered and, and honored that he would say that, especially in that circumstance, but he's kind of right. Like there's this, everyone we interact with has leadership skills and you can sort of see leaders in, in the room. There's that confidence, there's that ability, um, you know, to fail fast, learn hard, you know, and pick up and know that you're, you're solely responsible for that. And I think I've always had that deep inside me. But as you said, you get comfortable, like you've got mortgage payments like everyone else. You incur debt based on, you know, great paying jobs and good years and, and sales leadership. You also have commission-based pieces of your, your compensation. And so at some point, I think there is just this little butterfly in you that you're like, you know, I I want to do more. I think exponential um, comes from taking exponential risk. And usually it's financially driven initially, but I've learned so many more rewards to the entrepreneurship, you know, the entrepreneurial side um, beyond finances, although finances is a really, you know, cool outcome. Actually, I think people come, the people that become entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs because they can't stop asking why, you know. Yeah. Why, yeah. why, are we, why are we doing it this way? Why not this way kind of thing? I think there's a, there's a, lot, a lot of that go, goes on. But, you know, I, I want to get back, you know, to, to where you are now, Mountain Valley, because I'm interested just doing a little bit of thing. I, I love, I mean, really the, the social enterprise side of it uh, and, and the business model that you're, you're building there of, you know, you, you know you're, you're obviously in the biotech business but you've got this mission of, you know, more life, less death, and and, and you know, mm-hmm. we've we've all seen through through this through the the pandemic, you know, the the kind of uh, let's say uneven spread of vaccines, um, and I would like to talk a little bit about that because I, I I think it's 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 something that's really close to to everyone at the moment. And it's a, and it is still part of the enterprise, so it's still, 
you know, entrepreneurial and, and, and a different way of approaching, you know, in this case, the biotech industry with it, with some, maybe some different, a different model, a, diff, a different motivation kind of thing. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you bring up a really, the way I would segue into the answer, there's also, um, you know, so I just turned 50 this year, which is a big sort of model. It's a big one, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> Um, but it's also an interesting, the way you frame that question, and I want to get into legacy and mm-hmm. as you think about, you know, the empathy that you have, without a doubt, 10 years ago, I would not have been the right person for this job. And as you reflect back on, you know, your wisdom and the things you learn, you know, each, each five-year period in your career, um, the emotional intelligence that's required in a leadership role um, you know, you define, you know, I, I loved how you sort of ended the last question by, you know, this curiosity, people that know me, this, everything frustrates me about process and how things are done. And my mind only works with improving things. I see something and I immediately have eight steps to fix things. Just, it's a blessing and a curse. And it drives my wife crazy because, you know, we're standing in line at a restaurant. I haven't figured out what they, what they might've done different. And, but, you know, it's, it's interesting as, you know, back to the, the question about, you know, why now, what is Mountain Valley creating and, and why am I putting that DNA of, of you know, sort of empathy and in, in, in more life and helping the world's, you know, most disadvantaged. There's something really cool as you mature, you realize, you know, you evolve from the quest of money or power. You go through these phases where you really are inspiring you know, change makers. I talk often um, in interviews about, you know, we learn from those that have gone before us, people that surround us are motivated to change. Um, no one's the smartest in the room. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, those are much harder things to realize that as a leader, you know, your job is not to, you know, solve every problem in the room, is to bring the right talent together and create an ecosystem where they can thrive. And, you know, when you now relate it back to the work Mountain Valley's doing, it's been a real honor to be at this age, thinking of my legacy. I have three children. Um, I want them to be able to say, well, my dad's doing something that enables, you know, the, the best drugs and vaccines in the world to reach those most disadvantaged, where through cold chain restrictions in the drug supply chain or efficacy of drug delivery, um, or simply just getting drugs more cost effectively uh, to where they're needed. What an awesome thing. And when we, when we find partners that are like-minded, the start of those meetings are usually defined by where are they headed and are their missions aligned with our, their values aligned. And we do that to, of course, attract talent, but it's also how we go to market and partnerships and I think it's a really awesome thing at this age to reflect on that and go, yeah, it's it's not only kind of a cool slogan, but it becomes foundational of everything that we do and how we measure our success in the end. You know, let's move away from sort of the, the business side of it. I, I'm I'm big on mentorship. And and so one of the questions that, that I usually ask is, you know, on the mentoring side of it, you know, what what it's the best piece of advice that you've you've received from a mentor that you know that, that it's in your pocket and you, you use it all the time. You pull out, you know, it's 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 it just you just carry it with you. Kind of thing. 
Yeah, I love that question. And, you know, the answer is just instantly comes to my mind. Um, the best mentor I ever had, um, a lady by the name of Michelle Ebel. In fact, um, I work with her at Mayor. She was a tremendous leader. And every time, you know, I had my one-on-one sessions, you know, coaching and her inspiring, you know, what was possible, she always made you feel capable of more. And, you know, there's this really interesting style. And I think it relates really, really wonderfully to this entrepreneurial thing because, you know, it's pretty lonely, right? You know, you you have to reconcile each day, like where are you going to get energy from? What are you going to do? What are you going to pursue? Where do you want this team to grow? Um, Often people lead by, you know, they mentor and coach people from, you know, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, and you need to fix these things until you're more capable. When what I love about Michelle is she always started with, you know, inspiring you about you're not even halfway to what's possible with your skill and your your um, your psyche and you know your leadership talent. And then you can cherry pick a few of the things that are holding you back from that vision. And um, I love it. I think it's such a it's thing I've trans transformed into how I lead people. Um, we're going to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. It's important not to make them twice is sort of my, I don't dwell a whole lot on that, but if people aren't inspired to dreaming where they're truly capable of, then you'll end up having to do the work for them. And she, she's imparted that early in my career. And, and uh, she definitely, uh, it's something that's, that's very impactful to me today. At Schneider Electric, we empower Canadian businesses to utilize energy and resources efficiently. Schneider Electric, the future of energy. Do you think we are wired differently? Do you think anyone can be an entrepreneur? Or is there something, you know, that, that not everybody has? I mean, I, I struggle with that, with, with giving an answer. So if you can't do it, that's fine. But, but um, I think it's very interesting. I mean, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, some, some would say that we're nuts. Some would disagree, say any, anyone can do it. Yeah, so it's really interesting. I, you know, originally, I think everyone inside themselves has that ability or this desire, if you will, to have a bit of autonomy to make. Um, but I, but my clear answer is I don't think everyone's an entrepreneur. I think entrepreneurship is sort of has the sexy title. A lot of successful business people um, are often held up for their entrepreneurial spirit. But I do think there's something innate. And, you know, this is another story that I think of that frames back to this answer is if you even assume everyone in the company wants to be a, the president, <laughs> that's usually a mistake. You know, if you start managing everyone, that everyone needs to be promoted and they're always fighting and flying. There's, there's many people that are just incredibly comfortable, skilled, and confident to do the same job for 10 years, 20 years. And, you know, that overlaying, you know, this, you know, you should do more and grow more. And then I think there's a second trap of entrepreneurship, even if it's innate inside us. Um, we have this economic system that's introduced very early on. And so what I mean by that is, and it's why even my son's just graduating from the Ted Rogers School of Management, and we have conversations about, you know, labor transfer, entrepreneurship in a different way. And 
What's really interesting, early on, we graduate, you start a job, and then immediately you start you know, accumulating debt. You get a mortgage, you know, you might get a credit card, you get a, you know, you a car payment. Mm-hmm. These normal engines actually restrict your ability to become an entrepreneur because there's forever this risk reward exchange. And so my advice to someone that is young, that is unsure if they have the chops to go and start their own business and pursue, you know, some new change and, and a, which I think is a fantastic thing to pursue. It's 20 times easier to do that before you start an economic engine that handcuffs you to, you know, your ability. I'd way rather if, if I had a do-over, um, have lived five years longer in my parents' basement and started earlier. But instead, you know, we get drawn into this economic cycle. And so it's a little bit of a you know, two, two-part answer to that question, but I don't think everyone has it. And of those that everyone, you know, if I, if I classify only half can truly start because they have the financial freedom to do it, you know? You know, um, just getting away from that kind of stuff, what books, what, what books are you reading now? And what book really, you know, has been your, uh, you know, one of your guides, you know? Yeah, so it's really interesting. This kind of goes back to the legacy, and like, there's a few um, Eckhart Tolle books right now that uh, that just again this this idea of emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. I've become very aware of. Um, There's a maturity, and maybe it's just hitting this milestone age, but you know, being incredibly intentional about understanding yourself and the way you react and your triggers. And this is kind of was my my description of, you know, the 10 and five year bands in your career, the way you handle a situation at 30 versus 40 versus 50 is an incredibly different skill set. And I'm on a journey right now about understanding emotional triggers because emotional triggers are very dangerous in business because they almost always... um, you lose your upper hand in a negotiation because something's triggered you. The way you coach or mentor someone, if there's a trigger, the way you receive feedback, uh, attacks on the business, unnecessary praise. So it's um, it wouldn't surprise you and your audience to, to realize at this stage, um, I get a lot of business. I understand. I'm not looking for you know inspiration to get out of bed and all of those things. I'm looking to really make sure that I optimize my team and their energy. And I've often said, um, you know, a Canadian story, you know, I'm coaching Wayne Gretzky. I have top scientists in the world on innovative breakthrough technologies. My job is to make sure that they get on the ice at the right time. They have the right team around them. Um, I don't have to pretend to be more in that relationship, except, you know, making them the best that they can be. So I'm very sensitive and I'm not a biotech guy. As you alluded to, my job is to transform science and technology into, you know, impacts every animal and human on Earth. That's our vision about more life and less death. Mm-hmm. And man, it comes from, you know, understanding that. Um, the only other final point about, you know, books that have had a big impact. Um, growing up in the marketing space, I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin. Um, He's the most practical. He's one of the the few daily 
emails that come into my box. He's, there's a simplicity that I love about you know these little nuggets that you can just be be reminded of simple things. Yeah. And so that's my other quest. I mean, I think of the most impactful books. They always are short reads, impactful chapters, very you know translatable. And the two or three that come to mind are all written by him in their in their simplicity of you know even Lynchpin is one that I think of. You know your role, what you can control, because you can't control everything. And so how you manage the things you learn, the quests you have. Again, it, he's a, he's pretty big on triggers as well. Um, but it's it's cool. It's 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 pretty neat to see someone that just understands you know brands and marketing, consumer connection, because that's one of my my you know growing up in a company like Merits, it's all about value exchange, right? So every relationship. As a value exchange, candidly, like brands to their customers, employees to boss, team to team. If you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Wow, that's a that's a really interesting question. Um, I would say driven is a is a word. You know, it's it's probably an obvious word in an interview like this. But the reason. Um, you know, I don't rely on anyone for my emotional energy. Um, you know, getting out of bed, it's, it's something, again, I'm trying to teach my kids. I've always been been really in control of my work hard, play hard. And so when I think of um, being driven and, you know, really understanding the value of a vision, what are we building? Where are we growing to? Um, I don't need any more than that to get a bed and get on with my day. I don't need, I don't waste a lot of time. Um, so driven, I think is a good word. I, I also have a very good sense of humor. So some people, you know, that work hard, play hard, I think is such an important thing to have fun. Like, um, in funny Steve Merritt's, because I spent most of my career at Merritt's had this amazing statement about like, you know, work hard, have fun and get the job done, you know, as the sort of pillars of me. And I just embody that. We're not, you know, how you show up for work, how you live your life, work-life balance, all of that comes out of being driven, but not so serious that you don't realize you have family and relationships and work can be fun. Yeah. What are you most excited about in, in, in business today? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'll answer that a little bit from Mountain Valley, like what, you know, where do I get a bit of the energy? Yeah, sure. Appreciate that. Friends, especially right now in the midst of a pandemic and all that's happening, you know, um, the vision, the path that we're on and the technologies, again, we're not inventing new drugs. We're making world-class drugs and vaccines better. And so we solubilize difficult to solubilize drugs, as an example. So a soluble drug, you know, is the holy grail in the industry. And it, the efficacy of its ability to impact the original intent of the drug, you know, can go up uh, 10x. And so we do a lot of cool stuff with solubilization techniques or taking complex molecules and, you know, suspending them in a format that can ship outside of cold chain. And not to get technical for an entrepreneurial audience, but why is that exciting? It's like, well, for the first time, you can build a company that's not driven by profit alone. Profits will come when you do the right things. And so we're working with, you know, eliminating cost structure. So in cold chain, people don't realize that 35 billion a year of vaccines are wasted, you know, just trying to get from a production environment. And 
All of that is wasted in third world countries where 90% of them don't have the electricity infrastructure. And so I get really excited about, man, isn't it, if we, so one of our technologies is embedding a molecule in a thin film that goes inside a vial. So you're literally just laying inside a vial, shipping right. inside of a temperature band, you know, up to, you know, 40 degrees Celsius and then rehydrating that vaccine locally in the market. That solves a $35 billion problem, cuts the a $20 billion shipment logistic bill in half, and it gets vaccines to the people who need them the most. And so, like, if that doesn't excite people about what's possible with medical breakthrough and the pursuit of that, um, you know, and our team, again, when I say we attract change makers, they're always, they have this incredible energy of, to make a difference and, you know, pile on and share expertise. No one's guarded or trying to be the smartest. We're, you know, learning and growing and we're forging stuff into oncology. You know, I lost my mother-in-law a few years ago to, um, you know, aggressive cancer. How cool is it to be able to get out of bed knowing we have projects that are working towards, you know, solving the scourge of, of that type of disease. And so I think it's pretty cool. And, uh, it's so that's exciting from a company standpoint and what's possible. It doesn't, you don't have to be a, you know, a, a 5,000 person pharmaceutical company to solve. You just have to have the right ecosystem, you know, to generate the pursuit of change. That's very, very interesting. One more fun thing before we call it, call it a, a, a session. Uh, in business, specifically business, What's your favorite word or, or sentence uh, that you probably said, we should stop using that, but you do anyway? Yeah, so, it, so it's an interesting, you know, I'll, I'll answer that two ways because I wouldn't agree with the stop using it. But the one thing I get accused of a lot here, if you talk to anyone on my team, I'm relentless about the value of time. And this is a good thing for your entrepreneurs, the audience. You can always raise capital. You'll always find money. You know, there's there's a lot of ways to fund a business and create capital. You can never buy time. So I am relentless on the value of time and the value exchange in converting time into real business um, and advancing it. So that I don't want to stop using, but it is a it is something I think some people on my team would say, oh yeah, they would finish that sentence. But the one word in this business at Mountain Valley that I use a lot that some people chide me about is because we have so many lanes and lanes is the word, um, you know, that are pursuing, we've got some incredible advancements in husbandry animals. Uh, we've got incredible advancements again across cancer and delivery technologies and mm -hmm. efficacy. And we work with cannabinoids and drugs and vaccines and nutraceuticals. So I often use the word lanes and, um, I guess I overuse it a little bit. So some people have asked me to stop using it because I'm like, I don't know of a, of a better word, but it's the second part of that uh, that comes to mind, that a word that I say a lot. Dennis, it's been really terrific meeting. I really, really enjoyed the session. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? You know, the, people listen, they've got a question. Uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can check more about our company just at mountainvalleymd.com. Um, in there, there's different ways to reach out to our organization. If you wanted to reach me personally, um, it's Dennis, D-E-N-N-I-S, at mountainvalleymd.com. And yeah, I'd be happy to answer or have someone get back to uh, your audience with, with whatever we can. And there's a lot of information 
GitHub are publicly traded about what we do and all of that stuff's pretty accessible. Well, thanks for coming on Canada's podcast. R- really good session. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Really nice to meet you and appreciate your time. This podcast is brought to you by Schneider Electric, supporting Canadian businesses with innovative energy management and automation solutions. Schneider Electric, your digital partner for sustainability and efficiency.